Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. And just a little plug for next week, uh, you notice that you haven't seen, I'm obviously not Stephen Ambrose, uh, if you can't tell the difference. Um, Stephen and Amy have been on vacation the last couple of weeks, and they'll be back next Sunday. Um, and I'm sure he's already beginning to contemplate um, the direction we're heading as he comes in after uh, vacation. Uh, the new sermon series starting in September is going to be forward. Um, and it's all about that momentum. How do we move forward when life feels like it's just keeping you in a rut? How do you move forward when you continue to seem to do the same cycles over and over and over again? Um, how does God empower us? How does he help us in those moments? Uh, so I encourage you, and I hope you'll be with us uh, for the month of September as we journey through that series together. Um, but right now, as we uh, conclude in our We series, you know, we uh, were pretty intentional um, with this sermon series. Um, and if you've been a part of, of any of the weeks in this month so far, you know, you've heard that we've said these are the core values of Wapak Naz. If you go to our website and you look under our values, you're going to find these same tenets, unconditional love, family, second chances, celebration, service, prayer, you. These are the DNA that makes Wapak Naz Wapak Naz. And not only that, but we believe that these aren't just unique to this little congregation on the corner of Court and Benton Street in Wapakoneta, Ohio. No, these are characteristics that are embedded in the DNA of, of believers, that scripture talks about these things are things that that mark Christians. They make us different. And sometimes, sometimes it seems like the rest of the world does a better job at doing some of these things than Christians do. But nonetheless, the call for the believer is to be committed to these things. And so last week, uh, I talked about unconditional love out of John 13 and uh, Jesus's admonition to his disciples to love one another as I have loved you. And this idea that Jesus and God equips us to love others unconditionally by first showing us what it looks like. He did it first. He's not asking us to do something that he hasn't done. Uh, he leads it for us. And then he empowers us and he fills us up and he, he gives us the ability to do it. And not only that, but he sustains us in those moments when maybe others don't reciprocate that love back to us. When you love and love and love and they seem to only keep throwing it back in your face. God sustains us in those moments. And so it's fitting that we transition from unconditional love to what we're talking about today uh, in our final uh, sermon on the series. It's all about service. You see, service to others makes you like Jesus. And, and this isn't just a message for the adults in the room. Boys and girls, when you serve somebody else, when you help somebody else, you actually become a little bit more like Jesus. You look a little bit more like Jesus. You begin to think a little bit more like Jesus. You begin to act a little bit more like Jesus. 
See, service isn't just a one-time moment where I went somewhere on Saturday and I served for two hours. You did, but that service doesn't stay there. You take that with you. Those moments shape you. They form you. They change the way you think about things. You understand things. See, service to others makes us like Jesus. And, and once again, uh, Jesus models for us. The goal of the Christian walk, uh, many times we talk about, is to look like Jesus. Right? That's what we say. The, the job of the Christian, the goal of the Christian life is, is to look more like Jesus today than you looked like him yesterday. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe this is possible. And while faith is what saves us, belief in Jesus Christ is what saves us, doing good things will never be good enough. Because we believe in Jesus, he asks us, he wants us, he desires for us to do good things. He wants that for us. Not only so that we can benefit, because you benefit when you serve other people, but so that others can benefit. And so that others can learn about who Jesus is and how he's changed your life because you're willing to sacrifice and serve somebody else see service is a core characteristic and so this morning as i said we're going to look at john chapter 13 the gospel of john in the new testament and it's always so interesting to me um, the gospel stories right because these are the stories of the first-hand accounts the guys who literally walked around with jesus and all of Scripture, we believe, is God-breathed. All of Scripture is significant and important. And we're not dis diminishing anything in the Old Testament or any of the rest of the New Testament. But there's something unique about those moments when Jesus speaks. Jesus knew he had a limited time to physically, vocally speak to people. And so the things he chose to speak about are pretty important. They're pretty significant. He didn't choose those things just because, ah, it fit the moment. Like, no, there's, there's a reason he wanted to talk about this. There's a reason he focuses on talking about love for other people and serving other people and being kind and generous and, and grateful. There's a reason he focuses on these things. And so we're going to look again at, at something Jesus does with his disciples. And uh, we're going to read out of John 13, verses 1 through 17. And I'll probably pause a few times as we're going through it. Um, to highlight things or to, to make note of something. Uh, but we're going to start here in John chapter 13, verses 1. Before the Passover festival, we're going to pause right there real quick. Right, we didn't get very far in. Before Passover festival. So we got we to gotta unpack what Passover is, right? Because none of us, anybody in this room celebrate Passover? No, nope, I didn't think so. Because none of you guys are Jewish. Uh, so Passover is a pretty significant holiday for the Jewish people. Well, what was Passover? Well, Passover, the, the abridged Cliff Notes version is the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And a guy named Moses was called by God. God said, hey, Moses, I need you to go to Egypt and I need you to go talk to the Pharaoh who was like the Egyptian president. I need you to go talk to the, the leader and tell him, hey, you need to let my people go, the Israelites go because you're making them slaves and, and, and people shouldn't be slaves. And so Moses says, okay, God, that sounds like a good plan. So Moses goes up to the Pharaoh and says, hey, God told me to tell you that you need to let God's people go. And Pharaoh said, no way, Jose. Do you see all the work they're doing? And I don't have to pay them anything. Uh, I'm not letting these people go. 
And so Moses goes back to God and, God, and says to God, God, uh, talk to Pharaoh. I said what you told me to tell you or to tell him. And he said, nope, not going to do it. So God says, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him that if he chooses not to let my people go, I'm going to send diseases. Uh, I'm going to send issues, problems, plagues on the people in the land of Egypt. But here's what you're going to do. You're going to go tell Pharaoh that, and then you're going to go instruct the Israelite people that if they want to trust in me more than they trust in Pharaoh, if they want to be protected by me, what they're going to do is they're going to take the blood of a lamb and you're going to put it on the doorpost above your house. And what that's going to do is when the angel comes to deliver the bad stuff, they're going to see that blood above the doorpost and the angel's going to know, ah, oh, that's an Israelite. I need to pass over that house. So the Jewish people celebrate this Passover because that's exactly what God did. All of these plagues, all of this destruction that happened in Egypt, the Israelites were spared from it because they followed God's decree. And they said, we're going to put the blood of the lamb above our doorpost. And that blood of the lamb is going to protect us. And so Passover was God's protection and the beginning of God's exodus movement for the people of Israel out of slavery. So it's a pretty big deal, right? So it's important that this is happening at this point. So back to John chapter 13. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, uh, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God so that he was going back to God. So he got up from the supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. Pause there again for a second. Once again, it's interesting to note So far, none of the other disciples have been named by name in this story, other than Judas, other than the, the one who was going to stab Jesus in the back, other than the one who was going to betray Jesus, the, the one who was not going to be a true friend to Jesus, the one who was, as it says here, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son. Judas's heart was frozen, Right? Jesus' heart was frozen cold. And the love that Jesus was showing him, he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't giving it back. See, it's interesting to note that, that Judas is mentioned here because Jesus knew the end of the story. And so do we because we've read ahead, right? We, we know what happens. Judas does end up betraying Jesus. Jesus gets arrested. He goes on trial and ultimately ends up being crucified, killed on a cross. Not too different like the ones you see in here. But that wasn't the end of the story for Jesus, right? Jesus died on a cross, but three days later, we celebrated every Easter, Jesus rose from the grave. And in fact, the reason we celebrate Sundays, we gather together in the house of God together as Christians on Sundays is because we're celebrating the resurrection because the resurrection happened on a Sunday. So every single Sunday, we're reminded Jesus is alive. He's not in a grave. 
Jesus conquered death, and so he can conquer it in our lives too. So it's interesting to note that Jesus or Judas is here, and that the thing that Jesus is about to do, the way he's about to serve these people, right? We're going to go back to John here in a second. The way he's about to serve his disciples includes Judas. Jesus didn't stop here and say, okay, hold on a second. I'm about to do something, but Judas, I need you to go out of the room for a second. Jesus didn't come up with some elaborate plan to to not embarrass Judas, but somehow get everybody together when Judas wasn't there. He didn't do that. No, Judas was there. He was in the midst of the room. And so what follows happens for Judas as it does for the rest of the disciples. Let's go back to to verse 6 in John 13. So Jesus has filled the water in the, in the basin, something like the one I've got here on the table, just a bowl and, and a cup or pitcher maybe. And it says, He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I'm doing, you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Simon was kind of like an all-in kind of guy. Like he, he didn't know how to go halfway. It was like full scale all the time. So he said, not just my feet, my hands, my head, everything, Jesus. Verse 10, one who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he declined or he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I'll pause there. something important so that act of washing the disciples feet right said already included judas because not only does service to others make you like jesus but service to enemies makes you like jesus service to the ones who wish you harm who don't care what happens to you in fact, who think so little of you, they're willing to give you away for m- measly coins. Service to enemies makes you like Jesus. It's also interesting to note here at the, at the last half of this passage, when Jesus talks to them about how he's not greater than them. If anybody had the right to assert his authority and his dominance 
and his place of leadership, it was Jesus. First of all, culturally, he was the teacher. He was the rabbi. Society said he was the one in charge. Society said it. He didn't even have to claim it himself. He could have just said, well, this is the law. This is what it is. Like, like I don't make the rules. Like, you follow me. That's how it is. But that's not the route Jesus goes. He says, no one is greater. The master's not greater. Jesus is saying, I'm not, I'm not greater than you. I know that makes some of us uncomfortable, right? But Jesus is saying, the things I'm asking you to do aren't things I'm not asking myself to do. Jesus and God are not some kind of CEO in a corporate office trying to orchestrate and get the masses to do his dirty work. No. He's saying, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing, what I've already done, and what I continue to do. See, Jesus believes that we can do what he does. And he holds us to that. Jesus believes that you can do what he does. Whether you're in preschool, or you're in kindergarten, or first grade, or second grade, or third grade, or fourth grade, or fifth grade, or sixth grade, or seventh grade, or eighth grade, or ninth grade, or tenth, or eleventh, twelfth, whether you have a, a college degree or no degree, whether you've got a doctorate degree, doesn't matter. Jesus believes that you can do what he does. And he's given you the ability to do that. Jesus says, you want to be like me? Then do what I do. You want to serve me? Then serve the way I serve. Look at those last few verses again. Verse 15. It says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. See, when we know better, we do better. At least we're expected to do better. I've spent 31 years sitting in a pew or chair on a Sunday morning listening to pastors, Sunday school teachers, caring adults try to unlock the mysteries of Scripture for me, trying to help me understand what it looks like to be more like Jesus. And truly in my heart saying, I want to be like Jesus. And what happens sometimes is, is on a Sunday morning, a pastor will say, hey, here's, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to do this. And I say, okay, in my head, I say, okay, I'm going to do that right away when I get home because I know if I don't do it right away, I'm going to forget, right? But what happens is I step outside of the sanctuary and I get in the foyer and I'm walking to the car and I'm like, oh man, I'm really hungry. Maybe I should just go get lunch first, right? And then lunch, man, that Lynetta was good, that Mexican food. And so now I'm, I'm kind of full. I probably just need to take a nap first. Like I, I want to be at my best to do what Jesus asked me to do. And I probably need a rest first. And then after that, well, now it's time for supper. So we got to make supper because I'm a good parent and I care about my kids. So I want to make sure that they're fed and they're taken care of. Well, now it's after supper and now they need to take a, a bath because school's tomorrow and I don't want them being the stinky kid in class. So, so now we got to focus on that. 
And what happens is even well-intentioned, even desiring to do the things that God is asking me to do, I find reasons and excuses to put it off. And what ends up happening eventually, most often, is I end up just not doing it at all. Even though I meant to, I wanted to. Man, I want to be like Jesus. But I don't always want to set aside the time that's necessary to be like Jesus. Or at least it's really hard to find the ability to set aside the time to be like Jesus. So what we're going to do this morning is create maybe a little bit of an awkward moment for some of us. Right? We embrace the awkward around here. And what we're going to do, what I, I would ask for you to do if you feel led, what I desire for you to do, is to take a moment this morning to be like Jesus. I've set aside some bowls and some cups and some water. And what we're going to do, what I encourage you to do, is I encourage you to grab somebody. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's your mom or dad. Uh, Maybe it's a friend in here. Maybe it's somebody you had a falling out with. Maybe it's somebody you were fighting with earlier and arguing with earlier. And in these moments, what I want you to do is there's space for six groups to do this at the same time. Uh, There'll be two on that altar, two on this altar, and two on this pew over here. And I want you to grab that person and I want you to fill a cup with water. I want you to remove their shoes and I want you to pour that water on their feet and then grab the towel and dry their feet. And as you do that, I know this is awkward, right? You're feeling like, oh, this is uncomfy. I don't want to do this. As you do that, I want you to pray for them, for the places they're going to walk this week, for the things they're going to do this week, whether it's school or work or whatever. I want you to take this moment to do those things. Sandy's going to play some music for us, so it won't be dead silent in here. We'll try to not make it too awkward. But I want you to come and do this, and I'm going to do it with my family right now. So I'm going to ask my family to come up, if you will, Chris and the boys. Chris and the boys, come on up. And I'm going to serve them, and I encourage you to serve your families as well. May grace and peace follow you everywhere you go. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And will you love your neighbor as yourself? Go in that peace this morning. Hope to see you tonight at Power of the Fifth or here for Encounter at Five. Thank you for listening to the Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you. And that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.